evening and welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Hard, where... We want a photo opportunity, we want a shot of redemption, don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, as always, is Mr. Green. Hey, holla. Hey, holla. But Green, he's hip with the kids, you know? <laughs> That's, like, right there, just a hepcat. Hepcat, there he is. Oh, man, we got a great show for you tonight. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with director Quentin Lee. His latest film, The Last Summer of Nathan Lee, is uh, opening up a week-long run at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto. And then the next week, it will be in... I'm sorry, on the 13th, it'll open up a week-long run at the Carlton. And then the week after that, it'll be playing in L.A. And then it will be coming to VOD. We'll be hearing all about the film and more with Quentin. And there's a little show that's made its return to the old Disney+. Plus a Marvel studio show that uh, many fans were waiting for for season two, and that is Loki. We're going to be giving our spoiler-free review of the first four episodes, and not just the one that's dropped, but the three you haven't seen yet coming your way. We're going to be talking about that. It's a big show. It's a fun show, and, of course, we want to hear from you because we are live once again. We are back to live. We're not going anywhere again until the next time where we can't be live. That's that's a promise. That's right. that's right. Let's keep our promises realistic. Yes, exactly. We're going to be here tonight live. So email us at geekartshow at gmail.com. We'll read your emails on the air. We want to hear what you think of Loki. Hey, maybe you have a question for Quentin. Uh, maybe you just want to say, hey, you can do it. Do it all here. We'll read it on the air. Geekardshow at gmail.com. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Quentin Lee about the last summer of Nathan Lee right here. Geekard, Real Radio 101. Feel it in the air. The clouds are rolling in. It's a matter of time. Dark skies and howling wind. The sun is coming, gone. Hey, everybody. Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Hard? Answer, listen to Geek Hard while wearing a Geek Hard t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash geekard. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got geekard shirts. We got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt. Hell, we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekard. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. 
And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome, friends. Back to Geek Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here on a Friday night. We're live, folks. We're live. We're doing it on the day. And we want to hear from you here. Geekcardshow at gmail.com. We'll read out all your emails. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. You ready for a good time, Green? Always. Always ready for a good time. You're not one of those people that like poo poos a good time. No, I no. don't. I don't poo poo anything. Uh, I think there's some things you poo poo, sir. Well, that's a different matter completely. Yes. Well, it's bodily functions. I yeah. Think. Well. Yeah. Right there. Oh, we 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 don't want to go down the route of talking about said bodily functions. So we're going to start the show with our first guest of the evening a director who's been in the business for many years independent filmmaker his latest film the last summer of nathan lee is opening at the carlton cinema in toronto on october 13th for a week-long run then october 20th it opens up in la for a week-long run and then it will be debuting in november on svod exclusively on asian american movies.tv and tvod on Prime Video on November 22nd. Please welcome to the program, Quentin Lee. Hey, guys. What's up? How are you? Pretty good. How are you, sir? Uh, pretty good. I'm my son, uh, Holden. He's 17, and this is uh, top, uh, This is Cleo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're bringing, you're bringing on the guests here. Oh. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we co-work in the same space, so. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, they're, they're, those are some lovely birds, sir. They, they are. Oh what, what kind are they? They're cockatiels. Um, they 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 they're kind of like parrots, but they're, they're the smaller cock. They're the smallest of the cockatoo family, believe it or not. And they're supposed to speak, but they I don't I don't make them speak. I think it kind of scares me. <laughs> My parrots. <laughs> I don't want them to say anything to me. <laughs> there you go. Just want to keep them silent. Keep your thoughts to yourselves, cockatoos. Come on now. Jeez. Well. Quentin, of course, we have you on here tonight because uh, the last summer of Nathan Lee is opening up in Toronto for a week-long run at the Carlton Cinema. For people who haven't heard about the film, what's it all about? Well, it's basically, uh, it's, a, it's, it's inspired by a true story, actually. So I was going to school, high school in Montreal, and I had a, I had a friend, uh, I was in grade 11, I had a friend who actually had brain cancer, and he sort of like just uh, never came back to grade 12, and so... That was the inspiration of Last Summer of Nathan Lee, where it's about a teenager, you know, uh, who's turning 18 and he finds out he has brain cancer and and he has one year to live and doesn't want to die a virgin. And it's a lot of thinking, just going back to my high school years, thinking like, wow, if I were that kid, what would I really want to do? It's just, I probably want to have as much sex as possible, right? And just exactly. don't want to miss anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fear of dying a virgin, that's... Uh... That could be quite a motivator, and I think it is for Nathan in this film, definitely. Um, of course, it's it's a it's kind of a dramedy. Like you're dealing with you know some pretty um, you know mature themes, some complex themes, but done with the style of comedy, not just covering you know of course a person uh, dying from brain cancer and of course you know sexual awakenings and things like that, but also like you cover you you have like a part of the film that covers on the DACA situation as well, like uh, about people's, you know, rights to stay within the United States and things like that. But it's all done with this very natural, um, you know, kind of demeanor 
that allows you to bring in a lot of comedy in the film. So was that the, you and the writer, were you guys very interested in having it be, you know, just a very natural, fun movie that happens to just deal with these complex things like life? Well, absolutely, because um, one of my favorite teen movies were kind of like these kind of like, you know, like all the John Hughes movies. And also, I, I, I really love this little little teen sex comedy called Zapped. And it's like <laughs> a kid who has like this telekinetic power. And one of, the, one of the shots was that it's an AFCO embassy movie. One of the shots was like he somehow makes this girl's kind of like bikini fly off and then it's flying in the air. So it was like Scott Mayo, so right? Yeah, Scott I kind of miss all that, you know, fun thing. And somehow, like, you know, the, the next generated teen movie, probably in the not, in around 2000 is American Pie. It's just somehow it's just kind of lacked this kind of like innocence, kind of like fun to it, right? That I really miss from John Hughes' time. But what's interesting about John Hughes was that, you know, the only Asian character in uh, 16 Candles is Long Duck Dong. So apparently that that character, like, you know, gave so much trauma to my generation of you know, Generation X of, you know, Asian kids growing up, Asian boys growing up in the, in the North America. So, so I said, well, we want to do a teen comedy and we want to, we want to, we want to also tackle this really, you know, this really kind of autobiographical, almost like biographical situation of, of death, but make it kind of fun. So I give it so much to my, to my uh, writer, um, Dennis Escobedo. I basically said, how this is, this is what we want to do. This is the story. This is the idea and, and just come up with a script. And then I said, I specific I specifically wanted to make this film with uh, Harrison Sue, who is the main the lead actor, and I worked with him when he was sick. I was in Canada, like the Vancouver Asian Film Festival funded a little film that I made called um, um, "Today Has Been Weird." It's, it's also set up a real story about this kid who was murdered after putting in his last last block in New York, and I I turned into Canadian. And then I was like auditioning young actors and then Harrison then was 16 and he came on board. And then, and then after that, he came down to the U S to study at USC and he, you know, basically he worked, he tried his best to sort of like get a lead role in, in, in Hollywood, but never, never gone, gone one. So I thought, well, we want to make, write this movie for him because I think he's very talented. We should really, you know, create this movie with Harrison in mind. So, so we met sort of at the height of the pandemic back into that 2020, I think in the summer. So we were outside and I said, hey, this is Harrison, this is Dennis. We want, let's work on this project together. And then somehow, you know, Dennis whipped up the script. Um, and I think we went into production exactly a year after, which is September of 2021, still in the height of the pandemic. We thought it's going to die down a little bit. So we kind of made it with a very small crew and I was also, I was a director, producer, DP and editor. <laughs> so it's really it's kind of like a fun, you know, a fun movie that I wanted to make on my own. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, and it, it, it totally uh, uh, comes across that way. Like, it, it, you know, did you watch it? Like obviously some serious, uh, you know, subject matter going on, but it's, you know, and, and Harrison comes off as just like a really personable character, like, you know, it, it, as, uh, as Nathan, you know, he's just a guy you want to root for. And, and if it wasn't for this situation, you know, it, it would be like, because his life is looking good, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just comes crashing down around him and then having him deal with all of that. Like, I, to your point, I can't even imagine being that age and having to deal with the things that he's dealing with uh, throughout the film. It's there. It's bad enough being a teenager and not having to deal with death and everything else, you know, and then 
throw that in on top of it. Leash that like working with Harrison, like as you mentioned, you 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 know he, you wanted him for this role. What was the experience like? You know, working you guys working together. Like, did you? write it specifically with him always in mind or while you're there you like spoke to him you know got his feedback about how to uh uh flesh nathan out a little bit more beyond what was originally written in the script well i mean yeah so we basically wrote with wrote with harrison in mind and i think somehow in the development process i sent the script to like a mini studio that's actually owned by fox right now and they read the script oh we love this project we want to make it with you We'll give you 500000 I said, oh, that sounds great. He said, oh, one thing, um, you know, you can't make it, um, you can't make it a, uh, you couldn't make it a um, found footage movie. But that was sort of my concept. I said, I really want to make a found footage movie. It's like, it, the scripts are written. It's like, okay, well, maybe we don't do think this make it like, just like a regular film, you know, with 500000 and do anything. A lot more stuff than I, I had, the budget I had. And then they said, oh, we don't, we, you can't really have brain cancer because it doesn't sell. Like, but, but he, but, but, you know, he has to die of something, right? Because otherwise it's, you know, it's changing the thing too much. And then I said, the next thing is that, oh, we can only guarantee you and the writer, the script and the writer, we don't want anybody else attached to it. At that point, I basically already put the cast together. And I said, well, there's one thing, because I, I really wrote this movie for Harrison. I really want him to be part of it. And then the guy says, well, okay, so I'm hearing that he has to be part of the package. And then they talked to Will Morris, who was supposed to package this uh, film. And then and I guess it didn't work out. So they dropped the project. So it's back to square one that I was going to raise money to it on my own as a found footage film. I think it, but at the end of the day, I, I'm glad that I we didn't take the deal or the deal didn't go through so that we actually made the movie that we really wanted to make with the people that we wanted to work with. And and I just, I you know, it's like I've made, this is my eighth feature film. So I know, you know, when you're younger, you're always hungry and you're really, you know, people would dangle like some money in front of you and you would make a lot of compromises um, right. that you shouldn't be making. Because I, I, I honestly believe at this point that when you make a film, you really have to have good karma. Like you, you cannot just like cast these young actors and says, oh, sorry, got more money. We don't want you. And then drop them off. So I, I, I just I, that kind of like you know thing doesn't work for me anymore. So I just really kind of stuck to my guns. I knew that you know I have to be artistically important. I have to treat the movie with like ultimate artistic importance and just my right. creative decisions really kind of like you really vouch for them and not too much just because somebody offers you a million dollars or half a million dollars kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know that the idea of staying true to what you had originally in mind very important and of course that's why you went out and you you know you're staging this film on your own and you haven't done that since your first movie so this is your eighth movie now you're back to like going out there and putting the movie out yourself so what's the aside from not having to have 35 millimeter prints and things like that what are the big differences between putting a movie out there now as opposed to your first <laughs> my first film, Shopping for Fangs, actually, is exactly the reverse of this film. That it's festivals loved it. Film festivals just loved it. It was it played at TIFF and then went to like another 40, 40 festivals, but no one wanted to distribute it. And then and then I thought, oh, I used to work for a little distribution company called Strand Releasing. So why don't I distribute it myself? And it's like it was a lot of work because back then you 
I swear to God, like all these, you have to ship these prints around. You have to make sure this print gets to this theater. And now, now it's totally different. Now it's just so easy that anyone can actually distribute a film, you know, because everything is just goes on DCP and they can just send the link over. They can download the DCP. You barely, you don't have really have to have to ship the DCP, which is a digital cinema project, which is placed as well as a 35 millimeter print. In fact, it's even placed better because there's not even any type of like, you know, scratches or anything. So the print is always perfect because it's digital. And just a lot of things like, you know, making films from, from making it from the analog level, doing it on 35 millimeter all the way to like, to now doing digital. It's just like, it's, it's just saves so much time and almost like it makes it, I mean, the technology has really make it a lot easier for an independent filmmaker to get the works out. And so that's why I wouldn't mind. I didn't, I didn't, I don't mind taking, <laughs> taking the challenge of doing another film because back then it was really hard because everything is 35 millimeter. The, the, the trailers have to be like, you have to print the trailers. So a print itself, a 35 millimeter print itself back then was about three grand per copy, $3,000. So for you to put it into multiple cinemas, you, you imagine that that's print and advertising costs so much. And back then, you have to advertise in print newspapers. You have to create ad slicks. I'm not sure what ad slicks are. They use physical kind of like paper with your with your with your ads on it, and then you send it to the newspapers. And there's like half tone prints and black and white black and white newspapers want want like actual photographs for publicity. And then the color magazines want like slides. And you have to ship, you have to have all these things prepared like off physical media and, and just kind of ship them, mail them and or FedEx them. And but now it's just like, oh, yeah, click a button, you send you, you send a clip, you send a whatever. So so I think that I mean I, I'm definitely a big, big kind of supporter or believer of technology. I think that technology has really empowered, you know, the average person to be able to do much more in terms of artistically. And interestingly enough, we're going to give out some passes to this organization. Um, and the passes of the run is actually attached to an NFT, which is non-fungible, non-fungible token. Yeah. That's right. And then this organization freaked out. Oh my God, we don't deal with NFT. We don't do anything with NFTs. I said, I said no, no, no. I'm just saying that you can get the, you can get the NFT, which is actually, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's just a little token kind of th fun thing for you to do. You don't have to, you don't need the NFT to go, go use these passes. Right. And, but right. then I think the organization is very confused. And, and I was just, because I started off, I started off back in the new media lab at UCLA, maybe like mid nineties, 1996, 97, that was the beginning of the internet. Right. And back then we were like, we were doing internet projects and we we're doing all exploring the how to create you know art on the internet and people are saying like oh i'm not gonna get it the internet i don't want to have anything to do with that and imagine somebody saying that to crypto and nfts now you know so but i can because i've gone through that whole kind of internet kind of like explosion i realized that the next step of technology is really going to be ai and and digital currency like crypto and nfts so very excited. I mean, like never stops. Well, I, it's, it's rare to hear uh, uh, artists and creators uh, talk positively about uh, technology, AI specifically lately, because uh, so many are, you know, like obviously with right now what's going on in, uh, in Hollywood, like the, with um, the writer's guild, just getting off of their strike, you know, AI was a central 
point of that uh, sag is same thing ai is a big part of their arguments it's it's rare to hear somebody talk positively about ai you know which is i think that's awesome because i i i think ai can be a powerful tool for creators like yourself to be able to use as we move forward under certain circumstances and with certain limitations obviously because we don't want to go too too far but that's super cool that you're you, you're thinking continuing to think forward and not just like some some creators that uh are out there that like to stay uh you know 40 so years in the past one of my favorite directors is actually david Cronenberg, and and i just really respect the, how he made the fly because at the end he says like well the technology, you know, you know, in the fly, they, the guy in, in, invented this, the, the Jeff Goldblum character invented this uh, trans transporter. They're like, what do mm. you call them? They, they go from one part to another. It's, it's what is it a transporter? Um, but the whole idea that Cronenberg was saying that he's also a very supporter and believer of technology. So like, well, I, well, something went wrong in the development of this technology. It doesn't mean that this techn- technology is wrong. So it is important the move that the ending of the movie, that's, the art the scientist doesn't didn't destroy the the technology itself it's just that the tragedy of this of the fly is really about that there's a little fly that got into this him when he was he was transporting from one part to another and then but at the end it's not it's not nothing to do with the technology's fault it's just something that went wrong that became the drama of the film right so i think i really from I just always remember when Cronenberg said that. So I so for me, it's that I my thing is that I believe technology is is always going to be good and it's always going to be used badly. In fact, that I've been as a producer, I've been using AI for the past two years. Um, I signed up with this company called Lago.ai, and it's basically an AI that generates algorithms and kind of like you know it, you you upload your script, you analyze the script, and then they tells you like oh how much this this movie is going to make in, in international box office, domestic box office, and things like that. And I've been using you know I've been producing with this with this tool for a while. So I and I think that it's really a great tool because back in the days, you know, you have to figure out what, every time you have to create a proposal for, to find, find, find an indie film, you have to figure out oh how much it's going to make domestically, how much it's going to make like internationally, and all it's all really just you know bullshit. And it's so hard to do the do to find this research. But now yeah. this AI has this research and can completely spit all these numbers in like five minutes <laughs> versus like those numbers used to take days to do. And and I think that and that's what it is. I just think that I never I've never had a fear of technology. In fact, I always love technology. But at the same time, I also know that as a user, you never really go into technology in the beginning, because just like the first generation iPhone and anything first generation technology is not going to be doing as well as, you know, a, a prototype that's like developed later, you know, so I wouldn't get into anything mm-hmm. until third and fourth generation unless it's very cheap or, or very affordable. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, I, definitely. I think, I think the money thing always ends up being a, a, a concern for everybody. You well, know? He's, he's a producer, so well, yeah, is, that, yeah, you know. <laughs> 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 well, that's the thing. AI, AI really isn't the problem. And it was like the, the issues with AI in the business have less to do with the AI themselves and with the people at the top and the way they want to use it. And I think that's that's the difference between here with what Quentin's talking about yeah. and what the, of course, the SAG and the uh, the writer strikes we're talking about in AI. He's using it as a tool as opposed to them trying to erase jobs. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, with this though, I, I found it really interesting. I saw that you made a comment recently on Instagram saying that uh, 
being a parent has helped you with your filmmaking because it's helped you realize that all of the people on the set are like children that you have to show the proper amount of attention to to help create the best project. Was that something that you've recently figured out? Or is that something over time that it's like every time, each project you worked on, you notice it's like, oh, no, it's good to actually have that kind of parental kind of guidance to your cast and crew? Oh, absolutely. This is something that I've slowly kind of like grown into as a filmmaker, because in the beginning, you you think you're like hot shit, right? As filmmaker, first couple of features, and you're hot shit, you're the director, you come in, you do whatever you want. You don't really care about the cast and crew. <laughs> and, and eventually you realize, oh, being a parent, once you have a parent, you realize you just can't, there's no time for being a diva, right? If somebody has to wipe, wipe that shit up, then you got to go do it, right? This is like, <laughs> and, and, and it's just like, that's the thing, like you really have to, you, you're really not... You, you, that is it is your artistic vision but but for, but for you to really to create this artificial this artistic vision and to be able to utilize to to get everybody to support you to do to create the best product and be, you know for you to do the best job is that you need everybody's cooperation and you can have to be completely selfless just just like a parent it's like you have to really making sure that everybody is happy and emotionally you know, well on set and to be able to to support you to create the best project. And, and you know, just one actor that doesn't do well, you know, movies kind of like messed up. So you really have to be that parent on set as the, as, especially at the top of production or the director or the producer. It's like, you can't just can't, cannot be like a diva on set because that's, that's just not a good set. That's just not a really productive environment, you know? Well, then I got to ask you, uh, like a lot of parents, do you have a favorite when you're working on set? Like, is there one department you kind of like go, I think I need, I think I love this department a little bit more than another department. You really have to offer unconditional love to everyone. Right. I, mean, I believe that like, even from a PA, like, even though you feel like, you know, PA, I, like I, because I have been an assistant in my life. I was, I was actually a director's assistant on, um, on a love letter, which is a DreamWorks movie back in the 90, not 1999 and I learned so much about like what it's like to be a good producer because Spielberg was on set um because Kate Capshaw was a star and Spielberg was just on set and but you know nobody you know and he was then obviously head of DreamWorks he wasn't even producing the movie he was just a big kind of guy behind but because his wife is there he has to be there and I, I just remember the first day on set and the, like I was working with the director, the director was shooting the scene and then Spielberg came by and said, hey, you know what? That's a really great idea because, you know, I was just thinking, I was telling you, I was just thinking and tell you that, oh, maybe you can do that. And you already did it. So something like a little kind of encouragement just to a director can just, and then he obviously did it. You know, my my director, my boss did a really good job, Peter Chan. And um, so I think like that's kind of how I really learned about producing is not just like, yelling down the things like yeah i do this but it's just really how do you encourage yeah. you know you know your actors and your and your dps and everybody to kind of like you know do the best job and be as as artistic and imaginative as possible so so i learned from Spielberg. there you go well, that's, that's not that's not a bad uh not a bad tree to learn at that's uh <laughs> you know they uh, they always say that you know the acorn uh, land is was lands close to the tree or whatever it is you know like the that acorn just, doesn't fall far from that's, the tree. That's it. I yeah that's if you're gonna learn from somebody I think Spielberg is a, a is a good place to uh, you know to be learning from somebody who's uh, who's been is a massive person in the business. 
you know, that's, uh, that's super cool. Do you, so like, obviously your sets, you, you emulate, emulate that kind of, uh, it sounds like, you know, through all of your films, do you continually like continuously learn new things with each film? You kind of go back. Do you like do any kind of postmortems afterwards and go like, Oh, I, you know, I learned, I should maybe improve something like this or, you know, I learned something new, like, like with, uh, with the, uh, this film with Nathan Lee, like, did you, when you look back at it now, do you think like, Oh, if I had done this a little bit better or something like that, do you, are you always looking at your films like that critically or you just move on and I want to get to the new idea? Yeah. I mean, like once a film is made, there's nothing you can change and and you just got to move on because all the performance is recorded and, 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 and it's kind of like, I kind of don't look at it as regret, but rather than a lesson learned, you know, mm-hmm. obviously in my early films, I've made, you know, just my first feature shopping with fans, I made so many mistakes in terms of, any everywhere from like producing directing and even distribution but but obviously now in my eighth feature i hopefully would have learned from those lessons and not to make those mistakes and and have a better outcome of you know what i'm creating you know so it's yeah i mean it's it's just always live and learn and you got to keep growing because otherwise it's like madonna it's like you know madonna keeps like kind of changing herself and doing all these new things and i think that's what keeps her to be madonna i mean i don't think she has done anything <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> but over the oh since the 80s to maybe like you know early 2000 i think she was she has still been a really great artist is because she's keep she can keep inventing herself and reinventing herself and you know so there you go yeah so so madonna and spielberg those are your inspirations okay cool thank <laughs> you so much i think i think ctv just called so i think i should i should hey, well no well quinn thank you so much for coming on of course yeah. the last summer of nathan lee coming to the Carlton Cinema in Toronto on October 13th for a week-long run. People, check it out. Uh, hope you have yourself a great day, Quinn. Thank you so much. You too. And happy Thanks, Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was Quentin Lee. You can check out his Thank film, you. The Summer of Nathan Lee, opening on October 13th for a week-long run at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto. Then on October 20th, a week-long run at the Lamy Royal in Los Angeles. And then on November 22nd, the film will be released worldwide on SVOD exclusively on Quentin's own streaming platform, AsianAmericanMovies.tv, and on TVOD via Prime Video. So you can definitely check it all out there. Um, before we go to commercial, we got a couple emails in. Of course, if you want to send an email, email us at geekardshow at gmail.com. Henry Y writes in, Hey, geeks, welcome back live. It's good to be live. The average for Loki, a five. Hey to the old man. Are you sure you're talking about me? Yeah, yeah, this is uh, Henry's saying, hey, hey, Henry, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're getting rest and, you know, uh, did, uh, you don't strain your back at all. Don't strain your back, Henry. I guess, I guess that's good advice. Damn right, it's good advice. It's what's kept me alive for years, you know? So there you go. Well, yeah, that's great. And uh, Henry finishes off by saying, Happy Thanksgiving to you up there in Canada. Well, oh, thank you for thank us you. up here in Canada. Uh, we've also got an email in from Tate W. Tate W says, Hello to Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Will Mr. Green be eating his tasty meats for Thanksgiving? I always eat tasty meats. Always. Um, but is there room? Is there room for turkey this year? 
there, there's always room for Turkey, but we are not uh, doing Turkey uh, this year. So I'm getting double Turkey at Christmas. Double turkey at Christmas for now, just a big pile of potatoes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. that's. <laughs> I'm not giving up on potatoes and gravy. I don't care. No, of course not. Of course not. And uh, Tate finishes off by saying, hey, to the old man, be well. Hey, she right there. People always say hello to the draw. You know, they're like, you know, hey to the guys hosting the show, but like, hey to the star. Hello, star. Good to see you. Well, it's good to see you, Tate. Um, I hope that uh, you just keep going out there and giving her all you got, you know. If you get knocked down, get back up, take the stand and eight count and fight again, you know. That's what I say. Hey, there, Tate. Good for you. Good on you. Good one to you. Got that washboard stomach you do. You do. You done? Yeah, you know I'm done. But I'm never done. But I'm done right now. Now I'm done. Okay, well, thanks, old man. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Loki Season 2. We'll be giving our spoiler-free review of the first episode of Season 2 and talking spoiler-free of upcoming episodes as well. Right here, Geek Card, Round Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Hey, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here, back again, continuing on with the show for tonight. Uh, Before we get into our review of Loki Season 2, just want to say to all you people out there, if you like Geek Card and you want more Geek Card in your life, there's a place you can go, patreon.com slash Geek Card. You sign up there, you become a Geek Cardigan, and you're a part of the family. You get some cool exclusives like early access to podcasts and access to our entire back catalog of the Extra Hard podcast hosted by Mr. Green, as well as, as some other cool audio and video gems that are within the Patreon world. So definitely... Check it out there, patreon.com slash geekard. Also, some of you people have been doing a great job of watching some geekard videos and subscribing over at the geekard YouTube channel, youtube.com slash geekard show. But we need more of you. We want to get to the thousand subscribers at the end of the year. Right now, 
We're almost at 550. We want to keep that going. I want to say thanks to all the people who are watching the vids and leaving comments. Really appreciate it. All you other people out there, if you can jump on board, that would be swell. YouTube.com slash show. We got some cool videos up from our time at Fan Expo, as well as some of the interviews you hear on the show. We got video versions of them too, so check it out. And finally, Christmas is coming, folks. I know you don't want to think about it, but it's happening. It's happening. It's just a number of weeks. Number of weeks. You know, and just, just a little over two months. Christmas is coming. What better way to show the person you love that you care about them than to get them some geek card merchandise at tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. We got cool shirts there, but you can also get phone cases, bags, a ton of great items. For some reason, not hats. TeePublic really dropping the ball there. But T-shirts there as well with like not just logos of Geek Card, but for the old man, for Mr. Green's Tasty Meats, both of which have been brought up on the show so far. So we know that there's fans out there. So you want to get shirts that represent that fandom. So definitely check it out, tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Card. Uh, did I do enough plugging? Yeah, you did great. I, I, Mr. Green, you don't know this, but the old man is actually now working as uh, our uh, promotions guy. He's oh, really? Together, yeah, he's putting together plans on how to get the word out there. And he said, he's, you know what you should do? You're, oh, you're going to tell me what you told me off air? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what you You should pitch these things in the middle of the show. I brought it up to him that I've actually done that before a bunch of times, but he's he was very adamant. That's right. You know, just do it this time, though. You know, I swear it'll work. I bet you any money we get some T-shirt sales. People watch some videos. I think people are going to dig it. I know you all day. I know I know my boy Tate with the washboard stomach there. Tate, Tate knows what I'm talking about. Henry. Henry knows what I'm talking about. He's going to go to YouTube.com slash show tonight, watch a bunch of videos, and then he's going to go to Patreon.com slash geekcard. He's going to sign up, get the cool extras. And then he's going to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekcard. And he's going to buy all the shirts. We're going to be sold out. He's going to be that excited. Really? Wow. Okay. Tell you that. It's going to happen. I like your confidence. I like your confidence. I like like the confidence. We got an email in from Stevie who says, hey, geeks, listening in again. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. I didn't like Loki. Hey, old man, is the old man lonely for Thanksgiving? Well, let's ask him. Old man, are you lonely? Well, what is lonely, really, you know? People say, you know, I've heard people say, it's like, oh, I don't want to die alone. You do realize that no matter how many people there are around you, because I've seen a lot of people die in my day, no matter how many people are around you, you truly are dying alone because you're the only one dying in the room. Unless you're at war. Or there's like a, you know, a mass, like everybody gets the malaria and dies at the same time or things like that. Then you might die together, but you will really, more than likely, statistically, die alone. Wow, that's very grim, bud. That is very grim. I'm going to have a great Thanksgiving, though. Thank you for asking. I'm going to, I got, uh, I got, I got a new Steam account. So I got a bunch of games that I can play. Who needs friends when you got games, right? There you go. Fair enough. There you go. I'm, my, I'm not even thinking about my room, my ex roommate and his wife. It's good. I hear, they're, I hear they're having a lovely bird. 
and I'm not going to be there for it. But I'll be there in spirit. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Don't don't worry about me. I'll be okay. all right. I'll be all right. Okay. Old man, do you want to come over to my place for Thanksgiving? I thought you'd never ask. For God's sakes, I was wondering when one of you were going to come over. This I thought Potato Boy over here was going to was going to give me something, but he didn't. But uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'll be over there. What day is it? Do you want the Monday? Yeah, let's do the Monday. All right, I'll bring the games. Great. All right. Well, thanks, old man. Let's get into our review of Loki season two, the first four episodes. Created by Michael Waldron, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, Dan Delu and Karsa Farahani, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Disney Plus. And here to read the synopsis tonight is a man that is happy that he's living in the States and not Canada because he was not ready for Thanksgiving. When we started talking Thanksgiving, he kind of got pissed off and was like, what the hell are you talking about? Our good friend Jimmy the Short Order Cook. Fuck Thanksgiving. What the hell, man? That's not even until the end of November. I don't know what's up with you guys having it so early. You had me a fucking heart attack. I wasn't ready for that. That's when we do it. That's when you do it. That's fine. But I'm not doing it. That you don't don't... need to do it. Fine. I'm not fucking doing it. Okay. All right. So the Loki's back, eh? Yep. You've been watching the Loki? I have. I've been watching the Loki. I only got to watch the first one, though. I know you guys are special, so you got to watch a few. But I watched the first one, and I was like, hey, I, this is like, I like it. The Loki is kind of kind of doing it for me. I want to see where it goes next. And I think that's really what TV producers want, right? They want you to stick around and keep watching. That's usually how it works, yes. There you go. All right. Well, let's see if people do that, eh? Loki season two picks up. In the aftermath of the shocking season finale, when Loki finds himself in a battle for the soul of the Time Variance Authority. That's a TVA for you kids out there that like abbreviations. Along with Mobius, Hunter B-15, and a new team of new and returning characters, Loki navigates an ever-expanding and increasing dangerous multiverse in search of Sylvie, Judge Renslayer, Miss Minutes, and the truth of what it means to possess free will and glorious purpose. Yeah, he's really obsessed with that glorious purpose stuff, eh? Yeah. You you get dropped on your head a lot as a kid. You're very monosyllabic here. No, no, I'm cool, man. Look at that. He did it all one syllable words again there. You're going for a trend, eh? No. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Try 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 a two syllable word. Let's let's hear it. No. How about like not likely? Say that. No. He doesn't even diversify. He could have said, "I will not." He'd still be playing his game, but not uh, not just saying no. That's right. Hey, you know what? Fuck you. There he goes. There he goes. He's always so angry. He is very angry. He is very angry, but he's colorful, man. He's colorful. And that's that's what people like. People like colors. All the many colors, you know, especially if it's like an off green or orange that kind of has a remnant of like 70s style, which is very much the look of the Loki show. 
So, uh, Mr. Green, you got to, we got to watch four episodes of Loki season two. What are your thoughts on this season of Loki? Oh, um, so a lot of what I have, I would want to say is going to be tight. It would be tightly tied to some things that I can't talk about, but that's cool. What I can say is that this continues to be my favorite Marvel show. Mm. Um, hands down. It, uh, I can honestly say now that it has completely supplanted, uh, um, one division, which I thought was a fantastic show, really well crafted. It was a great thing to come out of the gate with, um, especially its opening, you know, first few episodes with the the, TV, the different TV styles. However, <clears throat> looking at both season one, which was a lot of fun for for Loki, but now looking at what we got to see in season two, this is so completely in my wheelhouse. This is exactly everything that I want, and I'm enjoying it greatly and with all of that i am shocked because justin benson and aaron moorhead are so hit and miss for me okay they're so hit and miss for me so it's it's i'm happy to see that they're because here's the thing i look at this show and i see their fingerprints all over it okay i can see it in the way that they film in the way like just the way that they're doing the things that they're doing, I I feel their style coming through. And that's super cool, but they're still doing it within the confines of what uh, preceded it in season one for Loki and still doing it in this, you know, overall Marvel way as the, you know, I, I hate copying the uh, the comic phrase for it, but I do like, I, that's what I'm going to call it, right? Because they Feige's production style is very specific. You know, there's a very specific Marvel storyline that they're going with. And uh, I'm liking, I, I really liked the the first episode, great introduction, reintroduction. Uh, I was curious to see how things were going to pick up. And uh, for those of you who have already watched it, you can see that things were not um, what we thought we were getting at the end of season one. Mm. Right. I know a lot of people were speculating, you know, oh, what, what does this all mean at the end when he comes back and he sees? Well, well, there's, I've seen some people speculating about the entire season just based off of this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. So many people, I'm like, oh, wow, you're way off. But that's cool that you think that. That's, that's an interesting idea. Well, and this is, this is the world that we live in, right? We live in a world that is completely, uh, just driven by content and wanting to know everything right away, you know, and fanboys in particular are like, I, 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 we just finished Ahsoka earlier this week and the storylines rampant on, on, uh, on social media and across the internet about what the show was, what the show was going to do, what this episode means and what does this little tidbit mean and all these other things. And it was like, and none of it came true, of course. Right. Uh, well, so, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say it that way. A lot of what they speculated never came true because right. a lot of them are just wanting to fight against it. And I, I have a feeling Loki's going to be in the exact same point of view. Um, and the only, the only actual spoiler I, I'm going to give one 
in this episode, there is a mid credit sequence that takes place. It's like one of the few that's ever happened in Marvel TV. Do not get used to that. Yeah, yeah. Episodes two, three, and four do not have a, a credit nope. scene. No, no. But there's... they've done. I've noticed that almost every like almost every series has had one episode where there's been a mid credit scene, and then the rest have been not. So Loki got theirs out of the way pretty quick early on. Yeah, there's been other ones that have done them like the last episode because, you you know, like because the way these are set up, you kind of like a lot of times you like like season one of Loki ends on that cliffhanger of like, here's Kang. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And I've seen a couple that have done it in the penultimate episode as well. Right. Um, yeah, no, totally. So, yeah. So with that. So episodes two through four, you don't have to look for a, a credit scene. Definitely not. We got an email in from Joe V who says, love that short order cook guy. Oh, look at that. Jimmy. Jimmy's getting some love from everybody but you. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Uh, Andrew, so nice to invite the old man over for Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, well, you, you gotta, I feel bad for the old guy, you know? You rock, dude. No, you rock, Joe. You rock. Loki, not so good. So we've got, so far we've had, you know, either mid-level or kind of dislike from the people that have written in. Um, but you yourself, you seem to be digging where things are going. Well, yeah, of course. I Loki is one of my favorite MCU characters to start with. That's just, uh, it's Tom Hiddleston. I, I He just, he really just breathed a lot of life into this character. Uh, but also just the fact that uh, they're dealing with, you know, time and time travel and the, all of the uh, mechanics that work around that. It really, like I said, it's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And I, 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 I love stories like that. And I will continue to always to love stories like that. Um, I will call them out if they suck. Of course. But for me, this one doesn't suck. I, I'm really no. liking everything well, I, that goes on. The the reason why is, okay, from a storytelling perspective, they've presented, you know, a mission, like an mm -hmm. actual, like, they've got to solve a certain issue. They've pre presented in each episode, they kind of present a mini mission, like what this episode yeah. is going to have a resolution for. Every episode has some form of resolution, which is good when you're looking at episodic and serialized to have your mini resolutions within episodes and then your big overarching story. Uh, but it's also all rooted in the characters and how they relate to each other. These characters, you know, you care about Loki and Mobius's friendship. You care about B-15, Hunter B-15, who from the first season has now realized that she was a variant, her dealing with that and what has, you know, influences her going forward in her job, you know? You get to see these big character changes, and then you also get to see just how far, you know, someone like Renslayer or Miss Minutes is willing to go to do what they think is right. So... And then, of course, with new characters like uh, Ouroboros, Ob, mm -hmm. those are fun characters. That's like they add colorfulness to it. You know, Kehu Kwan, we love him, and it's more of what we love about him in here. Oh yeah, no, no, he's he, he's a great choice for Ob, and uh, I yeah, I that was so much fun, and it continues to be fun. And uh, but to your point, right, like. I'll, you know, I look at like uh, the judges, right? 
they're new characters and they are, they've got their own motivations. Yeah. And everybody uh, thinks they're doing the right thing. I think that's the key there. Everybody thinks yeah. that they're right and that what they're doing is what will help everybody. Yeah. Like even, even the, the self of Hunter X five, but everybody else. Well, no, he's, he's doing exactly what is right for him. True. Right. So he, like he is the hero of his own story. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why this show really works also for me is because to your point, We've talked about me and you have talked about this both on the show and off the show. The best villains uh, in pretty much everything are the ones who think they are the heroes of their own story. They're, they're the most right, but also make you think that. And I can look at every character in this and go. Yeah, I can see why you think you're right. Whether I agree or not is a different story, however, but I, but I think that's what also is lending, the, um, you know, my love for the show uh, is that 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 ability within the writing itself to make sure that even low level characters have a sense of real purpose. Right. Well, I think it's safe to say that we're both saying definitely stream this. Don't skip it. Definitely watch it. Correct. Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back. We'll be finishing off the old program here. Geek Hard, Reality Radio 101. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. I got no issues. It's kind of nice. Welcome back to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. We're finishing off the old program. Um, you know, Thanksgiving can mean anything to other people. Of course, it's, you know, it's traditions, not the greatest, no matter which country you're in, Canada or the States, not great traditions. But if you can make that a time to see family and have a good time, then take that for what you will, folks. I hope that you all have a good, all us up here in Canada, I hope you all have a good Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, for our friends in the States, I hope you have a good weekend as well. Yeah, just a regular weekend, and same thing for everybody else around the world who's listening. Exactly, and everybody else around the world, I hope you have a great weekend as well. Mr. Green, I hope you get to eat something really good this weekend. If it's not going to be turkey, I'm hoping it's something else that's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm going to the Mongolian tomorrow, so yeah. There we go. He's going to the Mongolian Grill that he refuses to call the Mongolian Grill. He calls it the Mongolian, which greatly confuses a number of people we know. They're like, is this a new place? I'm like, no, no, it's go to the place that he always goes to. It's like, oh, okay, gotcha. 
There you go. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, we hope you have a, a great weekend. But uh, as you know, the show has to end sometime, right? It does. Not it does. forever. Just, I mean, this 60-minute program's got to end. That's we right. will be back next week. We will be live. We'll have a couple of guests. We'll have a review. Maybe the old man will show up. Maybe Jimmy the Short Order Cook will show up. Maybe somebody else entirely will show up. Who knows? I may be here. I probably will be. There's a 99.9% chance I will. Mr. Green, his contract is coming up soon. But I'm pretty sure we'll have it worked out by then. He's not planning to strike on us, so we're good, right? Yep. All right, good. All right. Well, we've come to the end of the program, so why don't you tell the good folks where they can find us? If you like what we do here, you can always find additional content over at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are amazing, and you help keep this show on the air. Thank you. Uh, For uh, additional content, you can go to YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Just search Geekard Show on any of those platforms, and you will find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But, of course, if you didn't listen to us live, the best way to hear us is to do what, Andrew? Is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods, and please, while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics and it helps more people know about it. Absolutely. And as always, if you want to continue the conversation with us, email us, geekhardshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Quentin Lee for coming on the program tonight. And, of course, all you great listeners for writing in. For Mr. Green and for Yuri in the booth, this is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, well, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Right here on Reality Radio 101.